This episode is brought to you by Splash Refresher. I believe in the three beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash, they spice it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. My flavor that I've been enjoying the most lately is the wild berry. Keep one on your desk. You'll be hydrated in no time. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast. I'm Dylan Hafer, and to finish out this week strong, today I am excited to be joined by a returning guest. You know him as the author of Not All Diamonds and Rosé. He's an editor at People and a friend of mine, Dave Quinn. Hey Dylan, how's it going? I am good. I'm happy to have you on. Like you you said right when we got on this call, it has been a whirlwind of a week of a of a year so far, I guess, in terms of Bravo news. And, you know, you always have your finger on the pulse. So who better to have? These housewives are working (laughs) extra hard. They have, they have been nonstop the past, I feel like five days in news has just been a whirlwind. So I know, I mean, over the weekend, we had this whole situation unfolding in Morocco. That was one thing. And then Roni legacy came barreling through the door. And now that's, you know, on everyone's lips. And then yesterday, Tom Girardi gets indicted. So it's, it's been busy. Uh, it just cannot, I keep my head straight. So much to discuss. <laughs> it is funny. Like, I feel like I have a tendency to forget sometimes the shows that are currently on the air because there's so much noise happening, swirling around the Bravo world that I'm like, uh, oh yeah, I, I guess there's a new episode of Miami still. That's still <laughs> happening. And it's really good, but... <laughs> You know, it is, it is so much stuff. And that's the thing. I, I actually feel like we have an embarrassment of riches right now, though. I know that there's like a feeling from some that, that Bravo is kind of entering a bit of a flop era because people have been disappointed by sort of what they've been seeing. But, uh, you know, I, I always have, it's hard with that because I understand there are certain issues that people have with certain shows. And I, I share those concerns. I think Salt Lake city as a whole, um, you know, riddle to solve right now. And I don't know if they're going to do it the, the proper way, but I feel like people love to claim that Bravo's in a flop era and have been doing it pretty consistently for the last, you know, few years. So I don't know. I don't feel like we're any worse off now than we were, you know, a year <laughs> or two ago. I mean, think, think of the pandemic, think of 2020 when they were pushing out premiere dates and filming on iPhones <laughs> And it was yes. like bare bones to even put together a schedule of new shows to have. So I, I feel like we're doing okay at this point. I agree with you. That was probably the flop error the most. But, you know, we always look back at the things in the past and think they're all perfect and amazing. I mean, we remember when DC was canceled, Miami was canceled, you know, people were complaining about those shows. I feel like we can always look back and see. Uh, you know, through rose-colored glasses, how great they are. But there's been some consistently good programming, and I have very much enjoyed this season of Miami. Um, and I'm a staunch defender of Potomac. I even like Dubai. So uh, I think we're in a good place right now, housewives. My, like, 
my dirty little secret that I I maybe I've said before, but I'll say it now. I did not finish the season of Dubai. I it's crazy because literally this is what I do all day, every day, that I couldn't find time to just sit down and watch whatever those four episodes were. But I, you know, I had other, I had guests and we were talking about other shows and I just, it fell off of my to-do list. And I definitely will catch up before the eventual second season is on because, you know, it, it is my job. Yeah. But I, it, I feel like Dubai was one of those shows where people people made opinions about it very quickly and then the they carried on those opinions you know without much regard for what was actually happening on the show and i think that's happening a little bit on salt lake a little bit on potomac where people you know maybe are turned off by one or two people or a certain storyline and then it's like well this season is a dud and it's like potomac especially i think is getting a little bit harshly critiqued right now i agree and you know i always come back to this i'm a fan of this franchise i'm a fan of these shows and that's how i like to approach it i like to enjoy them i want to watch them and have fun with them i'm not looking for every single reason to criticize them and hate them and bitch and moan about them you know it's like sometimes if you get so involved in the negativity and the complaining it it kind of ruins the experience for you i actually had to turn off social media entirely during the airing of Beverly Hills, because it was kind of ruining the experience of just watching it. I just wanted to watch it and enjoy it. And, you know, when I did that, I found myself so much freer, you know, like I just, I I didn't, it didn't consume me in the way that it often does and seems to do the fandom. So I I do really uh, encourage people to take a break. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it's it's more fun for me to watch the shows that aren't getting as much attention sometimes because I'm like, I can just kick back and put on whatever Below Deck franchise on Peacock and catch up on my episodes, and I don't have to worry about somebody on Twitter writing a thesis statement about why this season, you know, isn't giving. It's like, I can just, I can just enjoy. <laughs> right, Exactly. Oh my goodness. Speak of Potomac, before before we get too off track on other things, I'm curious to get your take on the whole Robin situation right now and moving forward into next season. How do you see this panning out for Robin? Um, that's such a good question. You know, I really like Robin. I want to start by saying that. I actually think that Robin is a great housewife. I've enjoyed her all the way through. Um, but it does feel from like a viewer perspective that this could be like the end of her story. You know, when we think about the fact that we first met her while she was in this like gray space with Juan, they didn't know if they were going to get back together. Now we know in the finale on Sunday, we're going to see their wedding. We know that that's done. It kind of does seem like that's a good bookend for Bravo. If they wanted to take that, uh, that standpoint, I do know that uh, from what I heard from sources that, production and the network was not super happy with her keeping all of this off the show. And it's frustrating and not just her. It's also frustrating with Giselle, right? Giselle is the messy one. She's the one who says all of this and brings everyone's dirty laundry out for her not to do that to Robin, even though it's her best friend uh, is kind of frustrating, right? You expect that to happen. You expect Ashley who, you know, season one was looking up, allegedly uh, looking up stories about Robin's finances and, you know, bringing them to her on a swing set. 
So you expect that from uh, Ashley, even you expect, you know, more of that. The fact that she felt as though she could just sit back and wait for someone to ask her about it and not bring it up is a little frustrating. I, as a viewer, want to see these women bringing their real stories as often as they can. And I always tell them when I speak to them behind the scenes um, to play offense, not defense. Like, don't go in, you know, waiting for someone to bring something up to you. Bring it up yourself and get ahead of it. And, you know, if you're afraid that someone's going to say something to you, why? Like, it's your story. Own it, as as Lisa Renda would say. So um, I'm disappointed that Robin didn't do that. I understand the complications. Listen, this is Juan, right? It's not her story to tell in some sense. They were getting through it. Maybe she didn't want to expose that to the world. And it's difficult. We ask these housewives to open up about their lives so freely in this space, but it was not good. The one thing I can tell you is that they did pre-tape an episode of Watch What Happens Live. I had friends who were in the audience and told me about this. So they pre-taped an episode of Watch What Happens Live that is going to air on Sunday. And apparently Andy lays into Bravo uh, to, to Robin about this. So I do think that we'll get some of our questions answered, at least in that format. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has to be frustrating from Andy's perspective, as much as he cares or doesn't care this many years into the into the Housewives experience. Like, you just sat down for 10 hours at a reunion and had every opportunity to get into this. And now it has to be on a watch what happens live thing that a lot less people are going to watch. It's not going to be kind of like in the history books of the franchise. Like it's, you know, it's frustrating. Maybe they'll cut to the watch what happens live clips in the reunion. They did that. I think with Brooks, remember when Brooks had his one-on-one with Andy Mm. and they aired that in the midst of the conversation at the reunion, maybe they'll find a way, you know, they'll, they'll cut it in and we'll actually have it in those history books. Like we said, I like when they get creative with the with the editing and which, you know, when they pull receipts from different places. And like at the Salt Lake City reunion part two, they actually used clips from their BravoCon panel, which I thought was a really inspired editing choice. Because to be honest, I mean, that panel in a lot of ways felt like the dry run for their reunion. And I think maybe ended up being a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more snappy than their actual reunion was. So I was glad that that was kind of included in the conversation because it was important. Yeah, I cannot agree more. I think that that was like a great forum to do that. And it was super fun to watch and to be in the room. (laughs) It really let people feel like, I mean, what it was like to be in the panel at that time. But yeah, it's it's difficult. And, you know, I I will say if Robin does come back next season, there's a lot going in. Right. You have to think about it that way, too. It's like, you know, one, you can say, well, the network could, could be angry at her and let her go. She gets paid you know, a high salary. She's been on for a lot of years. This could be the end. But they could also bring her back. I know it's not easy to cast in Potomac. So maybe, you know, they need her in that sense and they can bring her back. And we're going into the season with a lot of fire because Candace is pissed at her and uh, and Karen is pissed at her. And, you mm-hmm. know, like there's been a lot of vocal conversation. Wendy said things on social media. So whew, it would be a, a good beginning, at least. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point that sometimes with casting, there can be a knee jerk reaction where it's like, 
she did this thing, that's bad, get her off the show. But then there's also kind of a long game that you have to look at. And like you said, Potomac is not the easiest city to just have, you know, 50 women who are all good potential housewives coming down the pipeline. So I I think Salt Lake City is in a little bit of a similar position because they obviously have a small cast right now. They need some new blood. And it was just uh, reported last night from page six that Mary Cosby might be returning in a friend of role for season four, which to me is, I, I can't really wrap my mind around how I feel about Mary because it's complicated, but you know, in a way there were some people where it's like, she skipped the reunion. She should be done forever. You don't come back from that. And like, I, I don't disagree with that in a way, but then also it's like, well, they only have four housewives at this point. And I think we would all agree that there needs to be some kind of, you know, rejiggering of the, of the table. So it's like, I don't know, maybe throw her in there. I was laughing at the source reporting that was popping up leading into that announcement that said some familiar faces from the past might be seen. It was like, who Jenny, there's only two familiar faces. There's only Jenny and Mary. So what are we going to end up with? I mean, my issue with Mary coming back is that I I want answers for a lot of the things that she didn't answer at the reunion about her church and those scandals. And I I don't think that she's going to, in a friend of capacity, have to be held to the fire in that sense. But I also want to see what that house looks like now. Has she done the renovation? Is the green carpet still there? Right. So there's a lot that I want <laughs> from her. Uh, it's it's interesting. It'll be it'll be curious to see what sort of role that and how that shapes up. Yeah, you know, I agree with you that I want answers from her, but I also feel like if she did get a full-time contract, I still don't think she would give us the answers we want. So it's True. like, you know, maybe the friend of role, at least there's less, you're not taking up somebody else's snowflake in the cast. And um, right. I, I mean, I'm more surprised, honestly, that they are so gung-ho apparently about pushing forward with another season right away. Because I think there had been kind of a feeling like, okay, this season has been a little rough. The The well seems to be running a little dry. Maybe we take six months and, you know, retool. And it seems like they really want to get something in the can before Jen is carted off. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's so interesting to me, too, because uh, they we often underestimate how difficult it is to cast housewives. It, it is not an easy thing. And a lot of the friends of that you see around all the franchises have been considered as full-time housewives, maybe even started out as full-time housewives when they were filming, didn't really make it like we saw with Tracy Johnson in, uh, in Jersey where she filmed a full season as a housewife was doing, you know, her own scenes, lots of confessionals and all of that was scrapped. Um, you know, it's difficult. And I, I would say that the producers often go in with the best intentions And they see on paper who they think would really work well. And they have test scenes with them and they really feel confident going in. Diana Jenkins, a perfect example, right? Really rich, young boyfriend or husband, rather, uh, young baby, you know, European. She could have been the next Yolanda in a way, the reverse Yolanda, (laughs) instead of an old husband, a young husband and and all sorts of things. But she didn't turn out that way as far as viewers were concerned. So I, I... I give a lot of credits and credence to the casting directors because I know they try hard, but the time is a good thing. And they're always casting. They're always looking for people, but 
I don't, I would like there to be time for the women to build relationships with these people off camera so that when I, when I meet them on camera, I feel like they actually know each other. Not like we just met yesterday. Right. And with Salt Lake, it's like, you've had the same core group since the beginning, since the casting process. I just, I just finished reading Heather's book and there's a lot of stuff in there about their initial casting process before they were even picked up by Bravo. And so it is very clear that every single person that these women know and are friends with and can think of has been vetted by Bravo right. <laughs> at some point, vetted by the production company, vetted by whoever. And it's like, Heather Gay doesn't have any more friends that she can <laughs> recommend for Housewives. And if they haven't been picked the last three seasons, there's probably a reason for that. So it, it does feel like they're going to have to cast a wider net. But at the same time, I don't want to watch strangers interacting on the show yeah and they the four women that are left feel like strangers now they all hate each other you know i don't truly believe that any of them have any deep building friendships i mean maybe lisa and whitney seem semi-close but i don't think that like heather is necessarily close with meredith anymore you know there's so much anger and animosity a little break could do them well i i agree with you they should take a, a year I, yeah the Lisa and Whitney thing, I believe that they are getting along these days, but I don't believe that they really have a deep bond with each other. And I think if anything, because of their fallouts respectively with Heather and Meredith, it feels like they really needed each other. So right. it was like the perfect opportunity for them to bury the hatchet and suddenly get along. Yeah. And, you know, that's fine. I'm not mad about it, but it is what it is. It's trauma bonding. Let's just be honest. It's trauma bonding. <laughs> it's we're going through this thing together. We need alliances. It, it, it doesn't feel um, authentic in that way. And I, and I think that, listen, they may be listening to this and saying, but we are authentic. We feel authentic. Well, then you need to do a better job at showing that. And, you know. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Honestly, I feel like for the two of them, their you know biggest achievement right now is just not being on the Genshaw cult couch at the reunion, and you know that's good for something. I I appreciate that somebody seems to have their head screwed on straight in that room, but it's you know it only goes so far. I still cannot believe the rewriting of history. It was very strange to me how Meredith really sat there and said, like, I wasn't gloating when she was arrested. I was just taking a bath. Like all that, that sort of rewriting of history in the reunion just kind of shocked me. I, I, I don't like when housewives don't own their behavior. You knew exactly what you were doing. Just own it. Yeah. I feel like to me with Heather, there's a little bit more of a sense that she is really, really struggling with the gravity of the situation and with her close bond with Jen kind of being upended. Whereas with Meredith, it is like we watched a year ago, you be so, so uninterested in any kind of relationship with this person and then do a complete 180. So for her to kind of minimize that after we've watched it all unfold, it's a little insulting to our intelligence as viewers that it's like you're, you are rewriting history and you know, it's tough. <laughs> uh, it's difficult. And and I get it with, I, I agree with you. I do think that with Heather, it's a lot more personal and she's struggling a little bit more. I mean, it's gotta be difficult when you have a friend in life who you truly believe 
and is telling you one story and then they turn around and tell you the opposite. So I have compassion for her in that sense. Uh, whereas I feel like with Meredith, and again, this may not be the case. Meredith really may believe this, but it felt more strategic for Meredith to align with Jen, you know, and in that case, you know, I, again, I just wish that she would be a little bit more honest with that. I always feel like honesty is the best policy. And I say to this day that Lisa Vanderpump would still be on Beverly Hills if she would have just turned to Kyle and been like, yeah, of course I leaked it. Who cares? You mm -hmm. do that all the time. You know, like just yeah. she, she would have just owned it and just been like, yeah, I did it. And I'm Lisa Vanderpump. And what Dor Dorit did was wrong. The end. You know, I would have I, I would have respected her way more. Yeah. And it felt like with with Meredith and Heather a little bit, there seemed to be kind of a moving goalpost with Jen that it, at first it was like, OK, well, I don't want to be associated with somebody who was even accused of a crime, at least on Meredith's part. And then it's OK, well, as long as she proclaims her innocence, then I'll then we can be friends. And then when she pleads guilty at the end of the season, between then and the reunion, it seems like there's been some shifting of the goalpost where now it's like, okay, well, she hasn't been sentenced yet. So then once she gets her sentence, then we'll really know kind of what we're looking at here. And it's like, it, that happened when we got the guilty plea, to me, at least. Like, you kind of give, you give up that plausible deniability once she pleads guilty and you know, it's coming out of her own mouth. She's guilty. She did it. And so it's like the, the sentencing almost is, you know, a footnote to me. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're exactly right. I, I wonder whether they're going to be, I know that they start filming soon and I'm wondering whether they're going to be filming around Jen going into prison. Will that be a part of the storyline in some capacity? I to me, like, I don't understand, uh, p at least according to the page six report about Mary, it said that they were set to film on February 13th and Jen's uh, date to go to prison is February 17th. So I, I just don't understand why you would start filming that quickly unless it was specifically to get, you know, something with Jen or about Jen. Um Oh my God. I'm for, having for, flashbacks for better, or for worse. Right. Yeah. I'm having flashbacks still. And I know that you know this too, to those like scenes of like Jacqueline Larita and Kathy Wakili, like in their kitchens while Teresa's like going to prison, but they, but like they were not part of the cast. They were not there with like Joe and Melissa and the kids. They were just like reacting to it. And I feel like we're going to get the same thing. Lisa Barlow in her kitchen. Right, there's going to the be news. a lot of there's going to be a lot of solo hand wringing scenes and FaceTime calls where it's like I just can't believe she's actually going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so horrible for her and her husband. Anyway, <laughs> for Omar for Omar and Reefy. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're just going to go right into talking about how much they hate each other. Yeah, at least there'll be some new faces and hopefully that will uh kind of give it some life again. I, I have to admit candidly that I've I've always been a little bit lukewarm towards Salt Lake City in general as a franchise. It really hasn't connected with me in the way that I think it connected with a lot of other viewers from the get-go. Um, I just, I love sort of with my housewives glamour or delusion. And, and I haven't gotten enough of either in Salt Lake City. They're a little too grounded for me. Um, yeah, but I, I want nothing more than housewives to continue to flourish. So 
hopefully we'll see. And I'm excited to watch Girls Trip 3, which I know people are so frustrated that it hasn't shown up yet when it's so clear to me that all the storylines from Girls Trip 3 pick up when the seasons end. So we need to get through Salt Lake City, Potomac, and Miami before Girls Trip 3 can even begin. I, you know, it's like very clear yeah. to me that it wouldn't have come before. I think that is a uh, a helpful thing to point out. It, that has crossed my mind as well. And I, I get everybody wants everything as soon as it's happening. But I, I do think, especially with the Peacock side of things, it's like at this point, Peacock only has like two housewives properties. So they're not, <laughs> why would they be pushing out one when Miami is still coming out every Thursday? It's going to. If you're doing math, Girls Trip 3 is probably going to premiere within a week or two of this season of Miami ending. So if, if you're if you're hoping for something before then, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, just hold tight. It's, we're very, very close at this point. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Splash Refreshers are the delicious zero-calorie beverage I'm reaching for again and again when I'm feeling thirsty for something flavorful. I believe in the three-beverage rotation on my desk at all times. One for caffeinating, one for hydrating, and one for fun. But Splash spices it up by putting the fun and hydration in one. I don't have to dread my eight cups of water a day. I just drink Splash and like it. Lately, my go-to office beverage has been the Splash Wild Berry flavor. It's so nice to just put a few in the fridge at the beginning of the week, grab one whenever you want something nice and refreshing. It's just the right amount of flavor, just the right amount of sweetness. You know the vibes. When you want something refreshing, when you want something hydrating, Splash is the perfect thing to reach for. It perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. And it's available in five craveable flavors. Wild Berry, that's my favorite, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. It's there to satisfy your need for hydration with a little flavor. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Right before we started recording, you noted that The Traders got picked up for a second season, which I I was very positive about The Traders season one. I don't know what your thoughts were about it, but I loved it. I binged it I idiotically binged it in a night. Like I did one of those things where I started watching it at like, I was off that day, the next day uh, from work. And I started watching it at like six o'clock at night and just stayed up through all hours of the morning, finishing it. Cause I was like really hooked and I wanted to see it. And I just, I thought it was incredible. I think Kate Chesney needs to be on every reality show because her talking heads are just so incredible and so funny. And I thought, the show in general was really well done. There are lots of improvements I'd like to see for season two, um, but it's there. And they're going to have an Andy Cohen hosted reunion, which I'm thrilled about. It'll be kind of fun to see how that all plays out. I just want to see Kate Chastain shading Rachel Riley for the rest of my life. <laughs> Wait, so the, are, is Andy doing a reunion for season one? For season one, yeah, of The oh. Traders. Oh, Wow, I know. that's exciting. That's going to be really fun. 
and it airs at the end of this month. That is that is good news because I think a lot of the time when we get these new shows and spinoffs and things, it feels like they can kind of be like a one and done and then nobody really thinks about it or talks about it or it doesn't kind of get that network attention and hype that it, it maybe could benefit from. And I think with Traders, the fact that they renewed it, obviously, but that they're actually treating it as something worthy of okay, I sit down with Andy, we're, we're going to get looks, we're going to get some note cards. Like, <laughs> this isn't just because especially because it was dropped all in one day. They, you know, clearly they are impressed with how it's performing. And I think that's a good sign. Yeah, me too. I, I hope now when season two comes around, they parse it out a little bit more. Just for my own sake, I can't do another binge like I did. <laughs> I because I agree because I think they did one of the things they did best this season was the editing and how they structured the cliffhangers on these episodes because I kept having to go to the next episode because I was like, I can't just not know. And I mean, as much as I would be annoyed having to wait a week, I also would absolutely be watching it Thursday morning as soon as it came out. Yeah, I would absolutely too. And just give me like three episodes the first week and then you can even do two a week after, but. Just give me a few weeks, you know, to get into it. And I missed, you know, I was so quick on it that I didn't really engage on social media in the beginning because besides just saying how much I loved it, because I didn't want to spoil anything for anyone. And I always feel so out of the conversation. I feel like I watched that show a year ago at this point. <laughs> I, I I literally was going through, I think I was going through my camera roll trying to find something the other day. And I was like, oh, the traders was, oh, that was like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, Max. <laughs> Like, yikes. That's how fast we do things, especially you, Dylan. You see everything and watch everything. So it's oh. like constantly consuming media at a certain point. You know, you need a little bit of a break. So season two yeah. of The Traders, if you can hear us, Peacock, give us weekly installments. We need them. While you're while you're on the megaphone to Peacock, I'm curious, is there anyone that's on your casting wish list? Yes. Uh, I, number one for me would be Melissa Beck from the real world New Orleans. Uh, I think that she is incredible reality television. We saw her in Real World New Orleans Homecoming on Paramount Plus, and she was so funny. Um, and I think that I want another personality like Kate, somebody who is like kind of reading the room and calling it like it is. So I would definitely do that. Um, and now that it'll be interesting to see now that people know how the game is played, how they react to it going in, because, you know, I, for one, would never trust anyone on Survivor. <laughs> if I was a player, I would vote them out. I was always surprised that people weren't having conversations, or at least we weren't seeing conversations where they were saying, okay, there's allegedly three traders. Two of them have to be famous people. You know, like, let's get rid of all the famous people. Like the normies, if you will, never really grouped together in that sense. And I just feel like... <laughs> Bad choices were made all around. So it'll be interesting to see watching it now if strategy changes. I totally agree. The The normies on the traders did not have their heads in the game for the most part. <laughs> Idiots. Every single one of them dumber than the last as far they're as like, but They're like, but Sari is so nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get rid of her. She's lying to you. You know what I mean? Like she's. <laughs> the fact that they went after the loudest people in the room often and they're like, they must be traitors. It's like, you idiots. That's not how it works. Wait, they're like, they're like, Kate isn't that friendly. She's probably a traitor. I'm like, that's that's just her. And can I spoil something about the finale or do you think people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've talked yeah, about it. 
Okay, what really irritated me the most in that finale, I got so angry about it, was that they were told once they voted out one trader, right? They were told that there was more traders. And they sat there and they voted out Kate thinking she was the trader. She wasn't the trader. And they were still like, I feel really good about this group. We're all set. There can't be any traders. It's like, no, you know that you've only voted off one trader. Like there's only <laughs> one person that you found. You were told there were three. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Do math. There was there was a fundamental lack of um, you know, like back of the envelope math that I think they could have been doing where it's like, okay, so we sent home them, them, that means then one of them got drafted. That means there has to be at least one like mathematically, there was no chance they were winning that game. <laughs> None. Absolutely not. And I also didn't understand when they like yelled when they were like, I don't know why Kate would ever write anything down. I was like, I would be writing everything down. I would have a notebook and I would be writing, okay, who got voted off first this week? Try and figure out a pattern. I mean, I they weren't I remember thinking. when I was a kid, my sister and I had this Nancy Drew computer game that we were obsessed with. And it was pretty like pretty complex, I would say. <laughs> I don't know if I played it now. It might be the easiest thing in the world. But we would have we would be in our like study with printer paper and have like pages and pages of notes about this game because we were like okay when you go to this room you have to you tap three times and then this is the code and this is where you have to go after that like that's how i would be playing the traders i would definitely bring a notebook and <laughs> everybody would be suspicious yes a hundred percent and by the way uh I, I you would win the game because you would actually be doing your job and figuring well, it out <laughs> But but if you were there, you know, we would be competing. Um, I'd vote you out quickly. <laughs> I'd be like, it has to be him. He knows too much. Anyway, Melissa Beck is my number one celebrity choice. Uh, although there's plenty of people from the Bravo Cinematic Universe that you can pull in uh, from yesteryear and today. Totally. Spring has sprung, and that means it is time for some spring cleaning. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring ones, make sure you are using Ibotta to get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items, from groceries to beauty supplies to toys, so you can make sure you're shopping smarter, not harder, no matter what you are purchasing. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of a spring wardrobe refresh, a new warm weather bedding set, or a flight for that summer getaway you've been eyeing. Other apps, they give you points that don't amount to much. But with Ibotta, you just add your offers in the app, upload your receipt, and you get real cash that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including all your favorite grocery stores, Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying by using the code MENTION when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code MENTION. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MENTION. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Okay, the last thing I want to talk about with you today is the news that came out yesterday that Tom Girardi 
has been indicted on several counts of wire fraud and contempt of court, and he is accused of embezzling more than $15 million from clients. Uh, You know, this is a lot of the same stuff that we've been kind of you know, mulling over the last few years, but it's the first time that he's been charged criminally with anything. Um, He could face a penalty of up to 20 years in prison if he's convicted, which he is 83 years old and, you know, reportedly not in the best of health conditions. So 20 years seems like a little bit of a, uh, you know, imaginary number. But what was your reaction to this? Did you know that this was kind of in the works at all? No, and I, uh, you know, when I saw the news, I was not surprised that it happened. Um, of course, I had heard that they were, uh, you know, considering things with him, and there was, you know, uh, legal movements happening. But I didn't realize it was happening yesterday, and I was very happy to see it. You know, I think that those victims deserve justice and deserve, uh, you know, to to get their money back. And while, you know, indicting him and sending him to prison isn't necessarily going to fill their pockets back up, it gives you a peace of mind, at least, that justice was served and that there was a crime committed and that he was um, punished for it. Now, you're right about his bad health. He certainly, if he is is convicted, will die in prison. I I can't think that that's a surprise to anybody that something like that would happen. so it does seem like a bit of a death sentence, but you know he did the crime, and that's the end of that. You know, yeah. There was there's a lot of uh, reporting and stuff about the various things that have happened with victims and stuff. One of the ones that particularly struck me was that part of this investigation was that allegedly uh, Girardi Keys would tell clients that had won that they had won settlements for that they had to meet specific requirements before they could access their funds, including things like paying off medical debt, uh, you know, figuring out certain tax situations in advance before they could touch any of their settlement money and basically using that as an opportunity to steal the money because they knew that people wouldn't be able to access it. And it's like, that is just like, so, so scummy, (laughs) scummy and gross and just, I don't know. I have to say, I, I'm not very sympathetic towards criminals. I just have yeah. never really been. You know, it just it comes down to the fact that I'm like, I can feel sympathetic towards their families for having to deal with that. But when you do bad things and you get charged for it, I kind of feel like, you know, I, you lost my sympathy. I have a lot of emotions in this world, a lot of energy. I'm not going to give it towards you. So if Jen Cha <laughs> had come knocking on your door for trial funds... <laughs> She would not have not opening any up the money. bank account. <laughs> Barely have any money to begin with, Jensha. Uh, but yeah, you're not getting any from me. And well, Angie, you know, Angie Harrington is a kinder, thirstier person than you. So <laughs> exactly, uh, <laughs> in many, many ways. But yeah, I mean that's the thing with Tom, and of course the the civil uh, battle continues for Erica, um, and many people, of course, believe that she, you know. Uh, was aiding and abetting her estranged husband in the alleged uh, fraud cases. And she will continue to fight that maybe even for the rest of her life. Who knows how long those sorts of civil cases will continue. I have a lot more sympathy for her because I don't personally believe that. I don't know. I have a very hard time believing that criminal masterminds like Tom Girardi were like coming home every day and saying, 
by the way, here's an, here's some earrings I bought you from stolen money. And she was like, Moo, ha, 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 I will wear them. Like, I just, I don't think that people are Disney villains like that. Um, so while he was doing bad things, I believe that he was keeping that. I mean, nobody in his law firm even knew. I'm pretty sure he was keeping that secret from his wife. Yeah, the Erica situation is tricky because, like you said, she still has these civil, you know, matters that are being played out. But I mean, her kind of line has always been, you know, I haven't been charged with anything. Nobody's been convicted of a crime. I am just, you know, living my life, trying to do whatever I can. And, you know, obviously she can still say that with a clear conscience that she hasn't been charged with anything. But I have to imagine that it feels intense just knowing that the person she, I think, legally is still married to is is being charged with such, you know, major things that it's like, do we do we kind of pretend it's not happening? Is it, again, the topic of a whole nother season of Beverly Hills? Like, kind of how do you even handle this elephant in the room? Because I don't know that anybody really wants to watch another season of Beverly Hills where it's like... Erica, what did you know? Because we, we've done it before. Right. And then at the same time, if we don't see that, how many fans are going to be tweeting, you know, oh, they're ignoring it. They're not even saying anything. They're protecting Erica. It's difficult, right? You know, what is the pathway forward? I have a hard time with it. I had a hard time with it last year, too, especially all those conversations around how she should just hand over possessions of hers because, you know, uh, she, she believes that those people deserve them I, I feel like if she started that if she handed over those earrings they would have wanted something else and something else and something else i feel like it's a slippery slope i i understand why she waited until the the law the legal cases played out and i don't know she's in a tough situation but i don't think anybody wants to see that again on beverly hills instead we'll get to see kyle richards at the gym for two hours a day and (laughs) adamantly denying ever ever using osempic she is very frustrated by those claims according to a recent interview um and she denies it and denies it and denies it i wonder why she's getting so trim like what is what is kind of spurring that decision Right to me, I, I mean, first of all, I don't, I don't give a shit. I don't, I don't know if she used Ozempic. If she says she doesn't, I'm happy to believe her. But it's funny that she's like, I work so hard. I wake up at five a.m. I'm in the gym for two hours, and I'm kind of like, why? Yeah, yeah it's not. It doesn't seem to be for a role. I mean, if we're using Lenny Hotchkin logic, uh, she's about to step out on Mauricio. Uh, you know, like if we're using that logic, it's, it's for someone else, but I don't think that would be the case with Kyle. She seems to be pretty happy. I don't know. It's maybe she's going to have a Teresa Judice, uh, bikini fitness competition storyline. Oh goodness. Tamara judge. You mean who started it? The OG. Yeah. I I can't see another bikini fitness storyline that put that by the way, that storyline next to, you know, the, uh, the, axe throwing parties and the twenties parties, the <laughs> roaring twenties parties. And nothing has list. ever been, nothing has ever been more bleak than Teresa at dinner in Cabo with her like Tupperware of steamed chicken or whatever. <laughs> so sad. So sad. I don't know. Life is too short. That being said, uh, I don't think, you know, listen, the rumors about Kyle and Ozempic, I don't think she's the only housewife who deserves those rumors. I think there's a lot more housewives who've gotten very thin, very fast, who I would be looking at with a side eye too. 
<laughs> yeah, I we won't name names, but I was at BravoCon, so I, I have yeah. There are some skinny people there. I was like, oh, I know you're not that skinny in real life. That's pretty intense. Um, uh, well, and, and listen, if there was Ozempic, if I could get some, I probably would too. If I was rich and I could afford uh, plastic surgery and a dietitian and you know a personal trainer, I wouldn't look anything like this. <laughs> I want to look anything face like transplant. This. Yeah, I'd, I'd be a totally different person. Hair be transplant. six inches taller. Yes, why not? Stretch me. I would look like a totally different person. <laughs> so power to them. Well, Dave, we love you just the way you are, and it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. So thanks for being back here. I adore you, Dylan. Thank you so much for having me, as always. Well, thank you, thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. You can follow me at Dylan Hafer. And until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you to our sponsor, Splash Refresher. Meet the water beverage that loves self-care as much as you do. Just because you have to hydrate doesn't mean it has to be tasteless. Splash Refresher makes hydration deliciously easy. Splash perfectly blends refreshing fruit flavors with just a little bit of sweetness, all with zero sugar and zero calories. I am going to go grab myself a wild berry splash now that I am done recording, and you should too. Consider your hydrated self thriving. Find Splash Refresher today on Amazon and Instacart or at your local Walmart, Sam's Club, or Kroger. Batches.